Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. I want to ask you a very important question, a question that is troubling most of my clients. Are you tired of chasing success and feeling exhausted and disappointed? If you are, I am here for you. I just created the Mindful Leader Satisfied Life Circle Executive Coaching Program just for you. And here is how it is different from my other work. This is an executive group coaching program. You don't have to qualify what type of executive you are. If you are in a leadership role, this is for you. It is for you if you feel disrespected, ineffective, and frustrated about not being recognized for your value. Are you in a new role or reaching for something big and notice unresolved issues are in the way? You can't stop thinking, saying, or doing something that doesn't serve you? Let me tell you what is part of this program. You get six-month access to weekly small group coaching sessions. And this is for individual attention for me. I'm a 19-year CEO. I'm an executive coach certified by the International Coach Federation, the highest recognition you can have internationally. And the sweet spot is you get to see other leaders being coached. You may not even want to be coached that week. But that's okay, because I'm going to record the calls if you can't make them, and you can watch them. If you are coached on the call, you'll enjoy watching yourself be coached on the call. You'll have instant access to my six months of five-star leader training. And this goes through all of the tenets of executive presence and emotional intelligence, not things that you can get in business school or in books. This is personalized to you. There are workbooks in there that make this in tune to you personally. And at the end of it, you have a leadership impact plan that you'll have for life. You have instant access to my quick tip video library. These are two to three minute videos that I have recorded in beautiful locations wherever I've been speaking across the world. And a full section in these modules on those who want to change their career, their job, their title, if they're looking for a new industry, all put together in one place. You have a private community in this group where you can post questions, post highs, post lows, ask for advice, and we all weigh in together. I will weigh in on every single post that is there. 
And the special bonus is that you get my hard copy of the Flow on the Go Weekly Planner. This is a well-being planner. You already have a calendar. You don't need a calendar, but part of a mindful and satisfied life are mindful daily practices, and this is going to help keep you grounded. Now, this is not for you if you already have everything figured out, if you have too much doubt in the way, if you're not willing to make a decision, not for you. But what do you get at the end of this? You're respected, you have job security, you have executive presence, you can advance, you have fulfillment. You can be the quickly sought after and trusted choice for any team, project leadership, promotion, or hire. You confidently project a profound identity, your signature strengths, your value proposition, your personal mission, your executive presence, and your measurable key accomplishments. You make more money. You maneuver the politics, bureaucracy, personal agendas, cynicism of any corporate setting with grace and with strength. And you stop wasting time on busy work like hiring resume writers, getting another degree, going to conferences, relying on self-help books, ruminating, browsing jobs, boards, blaming and complaining. You finally start doing the most important work more efficiently. You're the must-have in any situation, not just the okay person. You have self-control in your life choices, eating, exercise, sleep, relationships. No more snacking down your disappointments. You move from the past stigmas and stereotypes of too old, too young, too nothing. You are in your zone of genius. You let go of needing to be right because you're getting it right. Now, there are two ways to work with me with this program. One is in the circle, and the other way is to additionally be a private client of mine. And if you are in the personal coaching program with me, I will also be available to you every single day through email. You can email me any question, any challenge you're having at work, you want me to look at your resume, you want me to look at anything, I'm happy to do that. That's part of the personal coaching part of this program if you opt for that option. I look forward to getting to know you as part of the circle. Just go over to maryleegannon.com, click on coaching, and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friend, and welcome to episode 41 of the Still Space podcast, The Great Breakup. Women leaders are leaving. Eight tips for the new workplace. On this episode, we're going to dig into recent data on women leaders in the workplace and why they're leaving and where they're going and what you can do to keep them and how you can manage yourself and position yourself to be a keeper in any organization and have the flexibility and the advancement that you want. Women leaders are switching jobs at the highest rates we've ever seen. And at higher rates than men in leadership, it's been called the Great Breakup. The recent Women in the Workplace report from McKinsey and LeanIn.org showed that 10.5% of women leaders, 9% of men, left their positions in 2021 compared to roughly 8.25% of women leaders in 2017 and 8% of men. It also showed that only one in four C-suite leaders is a woman. And only one in 20 is a woman of color. 
we need to stop the hemorrhage and position ourselves for what women are getting in healthy cultures and help build those healthy cultures and request what is necessary to have a healthy culture. For the eighth consecutive year, a broken rung at the first step up to a manager is holding women back. For every 100 men who are promoted from entry-level roles to manager positions, only 87 women are promoted and only 82 women of color are promoted. Think of your own organization. Are men more likely to get promoted? And traditionally, if you look at the research on this, yes, because men promote men. And we as women have to align with each other and make sure that we're giving women the same opportunity and advocating for women to have the same opportunity. Women are more likely to experience belittling microaggressions, such as having their judgment questioned or being mistaken for someone more junior. They're doing more to support employee well-being and fostering inclusion, but it's spreading them thin. It's like women to juggle multiple balls on the 30-yard line while men might be taking one ball down into the end zone. And women are going mostly unrewarded for these multiple things that they're doing. And finally, women leaders want to work for companies that prioritize flexibility, employee well-being, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. So in your organization, if you're trying to attract women leaders, are you offering flexibility? Are you offering well-being programs? Are you meeting people where they are? And a well-being program might be, do you have the access to yoga, meditation, a quiet room in your organization where somebody can just go to slow down? For every woman at the director level who gets promoted to the next level, two women directors are choosing to leave their company. 43% of women leaders are burned out compared with only 31% of men at the same level. Only 7% of companies plan to pull back on remote and hybrid work in the next year, and 30% say these options are likely to expand. This is good because if we see that women are leaving because of the reason of flexibility, keeping flexibility in the workplace is key to keeping women leaders in the workplace. Young women care deeply about advancement. Let's talk more about how do we keep young women leaders. More than two-thirds of women under 30 want to be senior leaders. Young women are also more likely than current women leaders to say they're increasingly prioritizing flexibility and company commitment to well-being and DEI. So the young leaders coming up within the organization are demanding well-being, are demanding flexibility. And so if you are older than this, There's no reason that you shouldn't be either because industry recognizes that the movement is going in this organization. And often women leaders in their 40s and 50s are saying, oh no, we live to work. I I have a better work ethic. That's not the way to look at yourself because you're tired. You get exhausted. And young women have recognized the toll that has taken on their parents and on all leaders. So take good care of yourself, prioritize yourself, and that way you're able to show up at work as somebody who is impactful and not overworked and exhausted. 
Only one in 10 women wants to work mostly on site. Many women point to remote and hybrid work options as one of their top reasons for joining or staying with an organization. These preferences are about more of the flexibility. So your organization needs to up-level its flexibility. And that may mean that your people can't work completely remotely, but is there a hybrid version of this? Can they work remotely when they need to? Can they work remotely two days a week? Can they work remotely Friday afternoon? 71% of HR leaders say remote work has helped their organizations hire and retain more employees from diverse backgrounds. 71%. So if your organization isn't offering remote work, it's going to be very hard for you to keep and recruit top talent, especially among young women leaders. However, a majority of companies are concerned that employees who work remotely feel less connected to their teams and say that remote and hybrid work are placing additional demands on managers. And that's true because we as managers now have to learn to manage in a different way. It's a lot different when your team is sitting around the table to when they're sitting around boxes on a screen in a Zoom meeting. And how do you keep them engaged? Do you have a virtual happy hour? Do you have virtual lunch together? Do you have downtime together? How do you keep that synergy going? So there is time at the beginning of every meeting or at the end of the meeting to just connect, to talk about what's going on in your lives, have there be sub rooms where you can go off and do that because the culture of your organization hinges on how, when, where you communicate. That connectivity, that compassion, that empathy that you show each other, that's part of the culture. Expectations of managers have risen over the past two years. The shift to remote and hybrid work has made management more challenging, and a majority of HR leaders say their company now expects managers to do more to promote inclusion and support employees' career development and well-being. Well, this is a lot of pressure for a manager, right? So now you're managing a team. Most of them, if not all of them, are working remotely. You have DEI initiatives, trainings, things that you have to do. It's overwhelming. And I wonder if there's space in this still space that we talk about to just take a breath of fresh air and recenter ourselves on what is the priority here? Is the priority to check off all the check boxes? I'm sure you get emails every day of things that you have to do, trainings that you have to take, and you feel like you're on this hamster wheel. I call it the treadmill to nowhere. But is it really moving the needle? So when you look at all the demands that are on you today, I think that we as leaders have to first manage ourselves. Relatively few companies are training managers adequately to meet the demands of today's workplace. So I think we have to do a 100% check in, not out, not checking boxes that somebody else is giving us to do, but check in with ourselves and say, okay, how am I going to show up today to meet the demands of my work and make an impact? Because the goal shouldn't be to just get through tasks, but know what is the impact we want to make. That's our intention. And intention is a promise to yourself. That's being purposeful, setting the day. My clients and I 
all fill out on a daily basis a flow on the go guide it's a planner it takes just a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes in the evening where we're setting our daily intention what is my promise to myself today what are the mindful daily routines that are going to keep me in alignment with this promise that i've made to myself what am i noticing about my team what am i noticing about myself do i not have enough self-care practices built into my day and i'm going to show you how to do that in a moment that keep me grounded and showing up at my best and not my default self when I'm exhausted and tired on the treadmill to nowhere and just want to get things done, just want to check off the checkboxes. Only about half of women say their manager regularly encourages respectful behavior on their team, and less than half say their manager shows interest in their career and helps them manage their workload. So if you are a manager who actually sits down with your team members individually and says to them, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Because I want to position you with work such that you can be there based on the experience you have working with me. If your team knows you have their back with respect to where they want to go, when they're in a crisis, when they're just struggling with day-to-day -day things, you will have a high-performing team. But again, that takes self-management, checking in, observing, noticing if somebody's just a little bit off today, hey, I noticed that you're not yourself today. Is anything going on that I can help you with? I can't fix everything, but I'm a really good listener. Women are ambitious and hardworking, and they're more inclusive and empathetic leaders than their male counterparts. That's been proven in the literature. And they want to work for companies that are prioritizing culture changes that are improving work. Be an advocate for that within your company. Be an advocate for that for your self-care. Companies that rise to the moment will attract and retain the women leaders, which will lead to a better workplace for everyone. Those who don't will lose their female leaders, and then we're all not the diverse workplace that we want. So this first part of the podcast, I've reviewed the data, the research. Now I want to move into what you typically get from me, and that's practical advice on how to make a difference based on what we know. And now I'm going to go into eight tips for the new workplace. And the first one is be yourself don't have to lead like a man. You don't have to lead like anybody else that you're watching. A lot of my clients, I find my female clients over time, have felt that to get a seat at the table, that they had to behave more like men. And they do this for a while, and then they notice that they've lost their vulnerability and they've lost their feminine qualities and they're not in tune with who they really are. They're not connecting with other people and they're really seeking a way out of that. And we start first by taking a deep dive inside yourself and defining who are you when you are at your core self, not when you have tra head trash dogging you in your mind saying, Oh, you're not strong enough. Oh, you're not confident enough. You don't have enough self-esteem. You don't have enough executive presence. When all of that stuff is out of the way and you are in your zone of genius, think right now back to the last time you felt 
you were soaring, where you just nailed everything that you were doing, what was the thought you were telling yourself at that time? Was it something like, I can do this? Or I have everything I already need. I just need to apply it. Or I can compete here. I'm good enough to be here. Whatever that thought is, write it down and put it somewhere where you can see it every day because that is your intention. That is your promise to yourself. That is you at your core best when the doubt isn't overshadowing when the ego isn't rising up and saying you're not safe don't take risk be careful you'll get hurt you're going to fail or worse blaming and complaining this isn't fair why does this always happen to me and these are self-sabotage techniques that we use time and time again to make us and keep us small so that if we fail we fail small Okay, well, you can see that that doesn't serve you. But when you are yourself, and that comes from the memory, when you reach back to remembering when you were rocking everything that you were doing, hold on to the thought that you were thinking at that time because it's followed by an emotion that's probably something like fulfilled, joyous, happy, powerful, strong, those emotions then lead you to take action that is going to serve you. And the action that might follow is, I can cold call people, I've done it in the past, or I can ace this meeting, I've done it in the past, or I can meet with my boss and reposition flexibility for our whole team because I know how to do that. So again, thought is followed by emotion, is followed by action. And if the thought in your head is, I'm not something enough, you are not being yourself. First tip is be yourself. Get back to the thoughts that serve you when you are in your zone of genius. Number two tip, know your signature strengths. If you don't know them, you don't know how to position them and you don't know how to speak to them. Really good executive leaders know this. They know what they're good at. They can use it to create impact and they can speak to those strengths and how they create impact. If you don't know what your strengths are, take assessments that will help to put some form around the function there. My clients all do this, not because we want to put you in a box, because we want you to understand what shape you are. And I mean that figuratively. What are the shades of your personality, of your character, of your signature strengths? When you show up, how much do you know yourself? I know my strengths are discernment, tenacity, strategic thinking, critical thinking, compassion, empathy. How do you use your signature strengths? I know that when I'm at a meeting, I am going to be the one who's going to see through to the end and the opportunity and the threats that are in the way and the linear way that we're going to get done what needs to be done. I know that somebody else in the room is going to be the person who's going to be putting together the communication plan to make that work. That's not in my strength. It's something that I do really well, but it's not where I play when I'm at my best. 
I'm a critical thinker. I'm a strategic thinker. I help people lead themselves back to who they are. Now, if you know that much about yourself, if you can speak to that, if you know your value proposition, this is huge. It's really telling to me when I start talking with people and I ask them, well, what are your signature strengths? And they don't have a clue. That's not you. We don't want that to be you. If you don't know what your signature strengths are, you're not playing to them, you're not positioning them, and they're not valued by your colleagues. If someone asks you what you do, it should be a value proposition. It should be showing your impact. If someone asks me what I do as an executive coach, I say that leaders hire me to be respected, advance at the executive level, and prioritize well-being without being so overworked they don't connect with the people who matter. That's an impact. I don't have to work as hard. I have flexibility in my work. I now have well-being practices. I'm making more money because I've advanced because I'm respected now at work. This all starts with knowing your signature strengths. Number three now, embrace diversity. This is different perspectives from different people who look differently than you do. And we all think that we are already embracing diversity. But are we really? Are we pulling in people from different walks of life? Are we hiring people who look differently than we do? Are we listening to them? Are we learning from them? Are we able to put whatever bias we may have had? And I think it's important to acknowledge that we all have bias, every single one of us. We have preconceived ideas. Acknowledge what those are. But stop looking for confirmation bias. Stop looking for things to support our bias. You'll see this a lot in politics. It's not healthy. Let's not do it at work. Let's see what we can learn from having a diverse team. And for my listeners that may be in their 40s and 50s, this is absolutely occurring with people in their 30s and their 20s. So up-level your diversity. Embrace diversity. Number four, look past your ego and look past the ego of others. And by this, I mean, of course, we all have ego. That's what keeps us safe. That's why we're around and not extinct as a species. We all have an ego. You know yours is up when you find yourself lashing out, ruminating with thoughts around bias, around you being cheated, you being not respected, you being overworked, blaming. This is your ego saying, you're not safe, better do something about it. And when the ego is leading you, you are doing things that you later regret and do not give you executive presence. And that later you're going to say to yourself, why can't I manage myself? And now you're beating yourself up. When we can lasso the ego, we can then begin to understand how others' egos are in their way. That person that has to be heard at a meeting, that domineering command and control style of leader that keeps putting you down, subliminally giving you messages that make you feel less than. This could be people in your personal life that do this. Their egos are in the way. See that ego. Notice it in yourself when it shows up. And notice it in others. This is your magic. When you can lasso your own ego and say, yep, 
I'm sort of afraid right now. Yep. I'm a little bit frustrated right now. Yep. I'm a little bit angry right now. Deep breath, still space, slow out breath. I've got this. Lasso your ego. Look past it. And look past the ego of others so that you can have a conversation whereby you say, you know, you seem very angry right now. You seem very frustrated right now. You seem very insert whatever that emotion is right now. Is there something that I can do to make you more comfortable? This helps the other person notice the way they're behaving and what they're feeling so that they can maybe take a search inside themselves and control their own ego. Number five, build alliances. Be trustworthy and confident. Be the person that gets identified as a must-have-that-person at the meeting. And if you're going to do this, you can't have ego in the way because then we're not trustworthy. Then we're playing for our own safety. And that's why I had manage your own ego first before we can build alliances. Build alliances so that you have your, what I call, inner board members. These are the people that you can go to that trust you and that you trust. Make a list right now. Who are people that if you had your own personal board of directors, who would you want to be on it? People that you admire, people that have strong presence, people that have strong character, people that are fun, people that are funny. Who would be on that list? Those are the alliances that you want to build so that you don't have to always ruminate in your own head that you have these thought partners that you can go to. This actually uplevels your presence with them as well. That your thinking to build these connections and relationships is very impactful to people. The sixth tip for the new workplace is propose flexibility. Focus on the what that you're doing, not the how. Because realistically, your manager wants you to bring impact. If you know what that impact is, more power to you. If you don't, you've got to figure it out. If I were doing my job at 150%, what would that look like? Okay, so now you've got your manager to tell you exactly what is the purpose of your work. How you do that is irrelevant. If you do it from home, if you do it at a coffee shop, as long as you know what is measurable and you can deliver on that, it will eventually be irrelevant where that happens. Number seven, keep the conversation going. So again, if I were doing that role at 150%, what would that look like? Can we meet again in two weeks so that I may give you an update on what I'm working on and then start to talk to your boss about how, you know, I could be doing this work remotely, which gives me a little bit more flexibility. I'd really like to have that in the roles that I'm in. Your manager is going to know what you're saying because people are leaving the workforce in droves and it's not just women. They want flexibility. So if you're proposing that flexibility and you're demonstrating to your manager that you're already accomplishing it, no matter where you work, you would still be accomplishing the same thing. Your manager's going to not want to lose you, especially since you're focused on providing impact. And number eight, create 
boundaries around your self-care. And this is the trend that you're seeing in women advocating for well-being. And your self-care, quite frankly, is your responsibility. It is not your organization's responsibility to manage your self-care. It's yours. So if you need to go for a mindful walk where you can just follow your breathing, notice your surroundings, not ruminating about a conversation that you just had, taking deep breaths, looking at the beautiful flowers on people's porches, or just walking around the building and breathing the fresh air. That's self-care. Having a book in your desk with passages from a devotional that mean a lot to you. Maybe it's a playlist on your phone that you just put your headphones in and listen to. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a meditation that you listen to. These self-care practices, maybe it's sipping slowly your favorite tea. This is where you're saying to yourself, I prioritize you the same way I prioritize my work. I see that now you need a little self-care and I'm going to give it to you extremely important. The time to be happy is always now. The place to be happy is wherever you are. Let your mind be light. What weight are you carrying today that you want to offload? It's hard to offload it if you don't know precisely what that is, what that worry might be, what that thought might be, because those thoughts and worries are, of course, fiction. And we can allow them to flow through us once we realize they're just our imagination, but we know what they are, not turning away from it, turning towards it. What might you do to leave that weight behind? If you were to write a sweet, kind message to yourself right now, what would it say? Find joy in making something today. Maybe that's a meal. Maybe that's arranging flowers. Maybe that's doing some handicraft. Life is what you make of it. Look to your dreams for insight. Think of the last dream you remember having. What was it about? What emotions do you associate with that dream? What do you wish you could dream about tonight? Stay in the here and now. Let your mind wander When this podcast is over, record your uncensored stream of consciousness. Just write it down. Let it flow through you. Let your pen flow in the footprints of your thoughts. Wishing you a very mindful and peaceful day where you find the still space to manage yourself, manage your thoughts, emotions, and actions. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.